The articles of impeachment are delivered against President Donald Trump. And John Roberts says that he doesn't want to preside over the trial, so we'll talk just a bit about what's going on there. Senator Ted Cruz reintroduces another amendment imposing term limits on members of Congress. And, well, it's not going anywhere. He can keep proposing it, but it's not going anywhere. The teachers' union in Chicago votes to keep the teachers out of the classroom and continuing on virtual learning. And they go to task with Biden over it, which is very, very, very surprising. And Sarah Huckabee Sanders is very excited about the fact that she has been officially endorsed by Trump. I'm Jay Edgar, and this is Contemporary. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Contemporary. My name is Jay Edgar. We've got a few things to get to today. This is not going to be as packed as yesterday's show, that's for sure. 37 articles. My God. They just wanted to dump a bunch of stuff down on us and hope that we would just take it hook, line, and sinker. But, you know, they've got to get that extra money coming in, too, because they don't have the Trump bump going along with them anymore. And yet they're still trying to have the Trump bump, as we see with this impeachment trial that's going to be coming up here. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about a whole bunch more, including some hope to keep the filibuster as well. I I don't know what's going to happen with this, but it's very entertaining to watch. But before Please we raise get into your right that, hand and repeat after head on me. Over to freedomscoop.com. I, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., do solemnly swear. I, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., do solemnly swear that I will faithfully execute. That I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States. Office of President of the United States. And will, to the best of my ability, help my ability. Preserve, protect, and defend. As always, protect and defend the Constitution of the United States. Constitution of the United States. So help you God. So help me God. Congratulations, Mr. President. Let's move into the stocks and the markets. The Dow Jones looks like it stayed down for the majority of the day. Kind of swing back up to pick itself back up over where the previous close was. Uh, looks like the futures are turning back towards on the yellow, but they're turning down towards on everything else. So we'll talk a bit about what happened here. But it's kind of entertaining to see a few down days in a row as Joe Biden decides he's going to track down further and further on the American economy. Will it stay down? We'll see what happens. It does take a lot to keep the American people down and keep the American down because. At the end of the day, they love to earn money. One way or another, they love to earn money and they love to spend money. So, the markets will reflect that as we go along. I don't even know what's playing. Well, we'll figure that out at a different day. I think I know what's playing, and I don't think it's in here. Give me just a second, I will fix that. I figured that's where that was. No, that wasn't uh, autoplay going. That was uh, something that was still on my tab from uh, last night's Red Net show. Thank you for uh, pointing that out, though. Thanks for catching that. 
Alright, anyway, let's uh, keep going as to where we were going with that. See, that's why I keep the live chat up. Thanks, guys. Alright. Anyway, let's get into the markets here. Uh, looking at Bitcoin here. Bitcoin is down to 31,815.20 on US dollars here. If we keep going for just a little while on this... Uh, current trajectory that we're seeing here, Bitcoin will look on the chart like it's been always going down. So keep an eye on that. We will see where the Bitcoin winds up going. And I mean, eventually it was going to get there anyway. It was way too bloated when it was at 40,000. And people were going to start selling off because they look at it and say, hey, I made my money. Hey, I'm rich. Hey, I'm going to sell this off now. Hey, have my Bitcoin. And there it's going to go. All right, let's get into Investor's Business Daily. Maybe. Maybe. There it goes. Oh, I bet you it's going to... Oh, no, it's going to stay on. Dow Jones futures reverse higher as Microsoft breaks out before earnings. GameStop short squeeze set to continue from Scott Latonin. Dow Jones futures, S&P 500 futures, and NASDAQ 100 futures reversed higher early Tuesday after Monday's brief intraday stock market plunge. Apple and Tesla stocks surged to record highs Monday, while Dow Jones leader Microsoft is breaking out past a new buy point. GameStop surged another 15% early Tuesday amid the ongoing short squeeze. The stock market plunged midday Monday, only to spend the rest of the session recovering amid a sharp increase of volatility at the end of the stock market open. The tech-heavy Nasdaq composite advanced as much as 1.4% to record highs. Then the composite quickly erased its gains and sold off 1.3% before eventually closing with a 0.7% gain. The Dow Jones Industrial Average edged just 0.1% lower, or 36 points, while the S&P 500 rallied 0.4%. Among the Dow Jones leaders, Apple rallied nearly 3%, while Microsoft rose 1.6%. Apple stock is in a new buy zone, while the Microsoft broke out above a new buy point. Microsoft earnings are due late Tuesday. Tesla set more all-time highs Monday, racing more than 4% higher. Stocks in or near buy zones in the current stock market rally are Datadog, Palantir, Technologies, and Pinduoduo. Apple, Microsoft, Pinduoduo, and Tesla are IBD leaderboard stocks. Palantir was Friday's IBD stock of the day. While Microsoft and Datadog were featured in this week's stocks near a buy point, Datadog was also Monday's IBD stock of the day. On the futures, early Tuesday, Dow Jones futures reversed 0.3% higher versus fair value, so they're going to start up for the day. Even though CNBC, when we go read that article, said they were pointing downwards, they are going to start up for the day. While S&P 500 futures rose about 0.2%, NASDAQ 100 futures inched higher versus fair value. Remember, trading in Dow and elsewhere doesn't necessarily translate into actual trading in the next regular stock market session. So... That's what they have to say on that. On to CNBC. S&P 500 ends volatile day slightly higher. Apple pushes NASDAQ to another record close from Yoon Lee and Pippa Stevens. The S&P 500 erased earlier losses and rose slightly to a record on Monday as investors prepared for a busy week of earnings, featuring reports from the largest tech companies. The broad equity benchmark closed the volatile day 0.4% higher at a new record close of 3855.36. The S&P 500 fell 1.2% at its low of the day. The tech-heavy Nasdaq 
gained 0.7% to reach a fresh closing high of 13,635.99. The Dow Jones Industrial Average, less susceptible to changes in technology shares, dipped 36.98 points or 0.1% to 30,960 even. At its session low, the 30 stock benchmark dropped more than 400 points. This coming week, 13 Dow components and 111 S&P 500 companies are set to report earnings. Among the quarterly reports on deck include those from Apple, Microsoft, Netflix, Tesla, McDonald's, Honeywell, Caterpillar, and Boeing. So we've got tech, electric cars, fast food, heating components, and industry. Apple shares gained 2.8% to an all-time high before its quarterly report, Wednesday after the bell. Tesla, which also reports Wednesday, popped 4% to hit a record. The street is anticipating a robust result from Apple on Wednesday, after the bell with Cupertino expected uh, to handily beat street estimates. Across the board, wrote Dan Ives of Wedbush, who raised his 12-month price target on Monday to 175. While the street is forecasting roughly 220 million iPhone units for 2021, we believe, based on the current trajectory, and in a bull case, Cupertino has potential to sell north of 240 million units. Yeah, they said the same thing yesterday, and I still call bullshit on it. I don't think that you are going to sell an iPhone to a third of the population. Unless there's a whole fucking bunch of warranty. Two-thirds, rather. I'm sorry. Two-thirds of the population, not one-third. So, I'm gonna, I, I call that bullshit. I think it's dumb. But we will see what happens from that. Alright, let's move into the news for the day, starting with NBC News. House managers deliver impeachment article against Trump kicking off trial preparations. From Dartunoro Clark. The House delivered its article of impeachment against former President Donald Trump to the Senate on Monday, kicking off a preparation for the coming trial. House impeachment managers held a ceremonial procession through the National Statutory Hall and the Capitol Rotunda to the Senate on Monday evening to present the article of impeachment to the Secretary of the Senate. Uh, yeah. Fucking gross. Really? It really is. All of the ceremonial processions, all the pageantry that goes with this. It's just a bunch of people who think they have power over you, and they don't. They really don't. And they're assholes on top of it. But they've got to make a parade. It's got to be a celebratory, parade-worthy thing that they're delivering the Articles of Impeachment. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi named nine Democratic impeachment managers for the trial this month, with Representative Jamie Raskin leading the group. The eight other Democrats are Representatives Diana DeGette of Colorado, Joe Negussi of Colorado, David Ciciline of Rhode Island, Joaquin Castro of Texas, the former presidential dude, Eric Swalwell of California, the guy with the nuclear gas, Ted Lieu of California, and Madeline Dean of Pennsylvania, along with Stacey Plaskett of the U.S. Virgin Islands, non-voting delegate to the Congress. Raskin then read the article out loud to the chamber. Ugh. Still more of this bullshit. Seriously. So, yes, there's, 
the picture of the parade. They're going in. Masks are ready. It's like a cult, people. And if I understand correctly, the Republicans did the same thing to Bill Clinton back in 2000. And it was dumb and fucking disgusting then, too. Especially the fact that Clinton was on his way out the door anyway. But it was just, ugh, 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 ugh. Gross. The pageantry, the pageantry. But it's over there. They're getting ready for the preparations. Trial starts on February 8th. From Fox News. Roberts doesn't want to preside over Trump's second impeachment trial. From Edmund DeMarsh. Here comes the autoplay. Fuck Fox News, really? Those of you over on desktop and now PC are going to hear this as soon as it kicks in. But we're going to just keep reading on for the hell of it. When it kicks in, we'll kick it back out. Or I can just turn off the uh, volume for the desktop. We can do that too. And then I don't have to worry about it. U.S. Supreme Court. Oh, there it goes too. Just about the time I kick the volume off. Go away. Nobody likes you. U.S. Supreme Court Chief Justice John Roberts is not interested in presiding over another Senate impeachment trial against former President Trump, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said in an interview on Monday night. There have been rumblings that Roberts would bow out before the Senate trial, which would make way for Senator Patrick Leahy to preside. A Senate source told Fox News that the president pro tempore of the body presides in cases when the impeached individual is no longer president of the U.S., Schumer told MSNBC that the decision was up to Roberts. Well, no. If the Constitution says it's the Senate president pro tempore, that no, the decision is not up to Roberts. Then it would go to Leahy. Let's, let's be fucking smart about this, guys. The Constitution says the Chief Justice presides for a sitting president, so it was up to John Roberts whether he wanted to preside with a president who's no longer sitting. Trump, and he doesn't want to do that, Schumer said. House Democrats delivered the impeachment case against Trump to the Senate late Monday for the start of his uh, historic trial, but Republican senators were easing off their criticism of the former president and shunning calls to convict him over the deadly siege at the U.S. Capitol. Seriously. When all you're doing is pointing your cell phone camera at yourself, it's not a fucking siege. It's a bunch of really fucking stupid people that thought they were going to get away with it, thought they were going to go and take a bunch of selfies. They were going to take pictures of themselves committing the crime. And now they want to lump everybody who was in there as a criminal, including the press, by the way. But once more details come out about that, then we'll definitely be having a conversation about that. Uh, President Biden dealt Senate Democrats a blow when he said in an interview that it seems that they will be unable to convict Trump for allegedly inciting the crowd prior to a riot at the Capitol. Yeah, I'm going to say that's probably not going to happen. 67 votes required. I don't think they have 17 defectors. Biden told CNN that he does not believe that the Senate Democrats will get 17 Republicans to vote to convict the former president. He said that his opinion might have been different if Trump remained in office for a few more months. So, Roberts is out, which apparently it's, that's how it's supposed to be. I actually didn't know that. 
So Roberts is out. Leahy is in. Let's see what NPR has to say about Leahy. Senator Patrick Leahy to preside over Trump's Senate impeachment trial. From Susan Davis and Nina Totenberg. Remember, NPR needs your money so they can talk to you like this. Nice and quiet, nice and soft. Give them your money. Give them your donation. They need it. The taxpayer money that they get to make their transmission just like this isn't enough to hold them afloat. Won't you give them a little donation? They're like PBS. They're funded in part by viewers like you. Well, I'm also funded in part by viewers like you, so if you guys want to help me out, links are in the description below. Come on over and give me a hand with that. Let's see uh, what they have to say over at NPR. Senator Patrick Leahy will preside over the former president, Donald Trump's trial in the Senate. A Senate source told NPR Leahy, 80, 80 in the Senate. Is the president pro tempore of the Senate a constitutional role given to the longest serving lawmaker in the majority party? The president pro tempore is the third in line of presidential succession after the vice president and the House Speaker. When asked if he was concerned about remaining impartial, Leahy told reporters, I have presided over hundreds of hours in my lifetime in the Senate. I don't think anybody has ever suggested I was anything but impartial in those hundreds of hours. Leahy added, I'm not presenting the evidence. I'm making sure that the procedures are followed. I don't think there's any senator who, over the 40-plus years I've been here, that would say that I'm anything but impartial in voting on procedure. Yeah, and we'll talk about uh, what Ted Cruz has to say about uh, 40 years in the Senate a little bit later on. Chief Justice John Roberts presided over Trump's first impeachment trial, but now that Trump is a former president, Roberts is not constitutionally obligated to preside. The Constitution says when the President of the United States is tried, the Chief Justice uh, shall preside. And Roberts did that when Trump was tried last year. This time, however, the Chief Justice let it be known that he did not want to preside now that Trump is no longer President. On Monday, a Supreme Court spokeswoman said Roberts would have no comment. It is unclear whether Senate leaders ever consulted Roberts. More likely, Roberts, who has tried to mightily to keep the Supreme Court out of politics, headed them off at the pass and made his views clear. Indeed, the reason that Chief Justice's role in a presidential impeachment trial appears in the Constitution at all is the often forgotten power to give the Vice President as the presiding officer of the Senate. Thus, in any impeachment trial of an officer who is not President, the Vice President may preside. So, I guess constitutionally, yes, this does go to Leahy, but uh, yeah, could you imagine Kamala Harris being the one who is presiding over this? All kinds of non sequiturs and questions and entrapment and all kinds of other stupid shit to go with this. So, we will see what happens with this. Once again, trial starts on the 8th and we will definitely be watching it in all the programming. Alright, let's keep going. From CNN... Biden tells CNN uh, Trump's impeachment trial has to happen from Caitlin Collins. President Joe Biden on Monday offered his most extensive comments since taking office on former President Donald Trump's impeachment trial, telling CNN, I, I, th I think it has to happen, okay? 
Biden made the comment during a brief one-on-one -on -one interview. It has to be brief because if he talks for a very long time, he starts to say stupid, stupid shit. In a brief one-on-one -on -one interview with CNN in the halls of the West Wing, he acknowledged the effect it would have on his legislative agenda and cabinet nominees, but said there would be a worse effect if it didn't happen. Biden told CNN that he believes the outcome would be different if Trump had six months left in his term, but he doesn't think 17 Republican senators would vote to convict Trump. The Senate has changed since I was there, but it hasn't changed that much, Biden said. His comments came in the same night the House impeachment managers formally triggered the start of second, uh, Trump's second impeachment trial after they walked across the Capitol and began reading on the Senate floor the charge against Trump, the first president in history to be impeached twice. I have the most impeachments. I'm the greatest president ever, okay? Okay, you guys. The greatest. The greatest one there is. The trial has loomed large over Biden's early days in office as he sought to strike an uneasy balance between supporting a trial and pushing a message of unity. Come on, man. We, we've got to be unified, but, but we've got to put your messiah in jail, okay? Come on, man. Biden's an idiot, and he can't speak for very long. Otherwise, as I said, he starts to say stupid, stupid shit. Let's keep going. Ah, uh, from The Hill, John Bolton, second Trump impeachment badly conceived, poorly executed, and likely to produce the same results as first. And when John Bolton says you're doing something stupid, you're doing something really fucking stupid. Because all John Bolton cares about is getting out into the Middle East and bombing a bunch of brown kids because he's a war hawk fucking pig. From Dominic Mastrangelo. Former White House National Security Advisor John Bolton is predicting the second impeachment of former President Donald Trump is also unlikely to end in a conviction and could do more harm to the country than good. Like Impeachment 1.0, the 2021 edition is badly conceived, poorly executed, and likely to produce precisely what the first round did. Results 180 degrees contrary to the objectives that impeachment supporters say they want. Bolton wrote in the National Review. Like the first, it is too narrowly drawn, first Ukraine, now the capital desecration, and was rushed through the House on largely partisan lines. Neither scenario is the right way to do impeachments, 50% of which in U.S. history have occurred in the past 12 months. Yes, that is an interesting statistic. 50% of the impeachments. It's not 50% anymore, it's uh, 40% because um, Marjorie Taylor Greene introduced in articles as well. Even though they didn't impeach, okay, I'll walk myself back. I do have to walk myself back on that because, no, that is incorrect because those articles didn't go anywhere. So yes, 50% of impeachment articles at this point have happened to President Trump in one year. In one year. Bolton warned Trump's first acquittal in the Senate, emboldened and enabled him instead of deterring and constraining the former president, forecasting a second acquittal, could do the same as he enters his post-White House life. The House impeached Trump earlier this month on one article of inciting insurrection following a deadly riot by his supporters at the U.S. Capitol on January 6th, 
Before violence broke out that day, Trump urged his supporters to march on the building as a joint session of Congress met inside to certify President Joe Biden's Electoral College victory. I have no idea why that just reloaded. That's weird. That just completely reloaded out of nowhere. Trump's first impeachment was sparked by an intelligence community whistleblower complaint from an official who raised concern about what Joe Biden was doing with the Ukraine, but blamed it on Trump. We all know we're there. We were here. We watched it all happen. <clears throat> so, yeah, when John Bolton says you're doing it dumb, you're doing it fucking dumb. Seriously. And in reality, if you look at this and you look at what happens with this, with everything else that they're trying to pin on President Trump right now, with the Southern District of New York now trying to get him on certain money laundering charges and tax evasion charges, um, with the civil suits coming from the city of New York, with the civil suits coming... All this impeachment is doing right now is trying to... It, it really does make all of these other instances that they're doing right now. And if there is something criminal, I do want to see it. I will come out and say that. If there is something criminal, I want to see the Southern District of New York go forward with the charges. If it's there. But for the most part, especially with this impeachment trial, all of this looks like partisan bullshit. Including this impeachment trial. It looks like partisan fucking bullshit. That's all that it looks like. A partisan witch hunt to go try and make sure that nobody like you and me or even another millionaire who's never held office before goes and tries to run for office ever again to scare you out of ever trying to go and make a government by the people for the people. That's all that I see from this. Partisan bullshit put forward by elites in power. Do I think that there are 17 votes, 17 defectors to go and make this conviction happen? No, I don't. But they're still going to try and push it through. All right. So with that, we're going to keep moving. Speaking of Patrick Leahy's 40 years in the Senate, Senator Cruz reintroduces amendment imposing term limits on members of Congress. Do I have an author given on this one? It does not appear that I do. All right. U.S. Senator Ted Cruz, along with other Republican senators, has reintroduced an amendment to the U.S. Constitution that would impose term limits on members of Congress. Every year, Congress spends billions of dollars on giveaways for the well-connected. Washington insiders get taxpayer money, and members of Congress get reelected, all while the system fails the American people. It's no wonder that the vast majority of Americans from every political stripe Republicans, Democrats, and Independents overwhelmingly support congressional term limits, said Senator Cruz. I don't think they do, because I don't think that's going anywhere. I don't think you're going to see a constitutional amendment from this, especially with Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. as the president. I also want to just come out here. Now, I understand the point that he's going from, that he's trying to say that the billionaires are running the country. I, I do understand the point that he's trying to go with this, but he's pitting the American people against American people on this too. And you got to be careful with some of that language. You can't deperson the billionaire class. They are still people, and they are still American citizens for the most part. So that is something you have to keep in mind as we go through with this.
The amendment would limit U.S. Senators to two six-year terms and members of the House of Representatives to three two-year terms. The rise of political careerism in today's Congress is sharp departure from what the founders intended for our federal government bodies. I have long called for the solution for brokenness of Washington, D.C., and I will continue fighting to hold career politicians accountable. As I've done in the past, I urge my colleagues to submit this constitutional amendment to the states for speedy ratification, Senator Cruz said. Yeah, it's not going to go anywhere. I love the spirit. But the swamp be too deep, and they're not going to do a goddamn thing about it. Because otherwise they lose their, their nice and easy gravy train. All right. From the Daily Wire. Press Secretary asked why Biden's travel bans aren't xenophobic. From Amanda Prestigiacomo. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki was asked Monday by Fox News White House correspondent Peter Ducey why travel bans extended and expanded under President Joe Biden are not considered xenophobic. When President Trump was imposing travel restrictions in March, specifically on China, then-candidate Biden called it xenophobic and fear-mongering, Ducey told Psaki. So now, President Biden is putting travel restrictions on people coming from other countries. What word do we use to describe that? The press secretary took issue with the reporter's question, asserting that the framing was inaccurate. Well, I don't think that's quite a fair articulation, Psaki responded. The president has been clear that he felt a Muslim ban was xenophobic. He overturned the Muslim ban. There was no Muslim ban. There was not a single Muslim ban. There was a ban on people coming in from countries that happened to be Muslim, but they also had no infrastructure for us to see who these people were and pass along the information, especially criminal information, on people that were there because they're countries that have been bombed almost back completely into the fucking Stone Age. He also, though he has supported, even before he was inaugurated, steps travel restrictions in order to keep the American people safe to ensure what we are getting the pandemic under control, she continued. That's been a part of his policy. But he was critical of the former president for having a policy that was not more comprehensive than travel restrictions, Pasaki added. And he conveyed at the time, and more recently, the importance of having a multifaceted approach. Mask wearing, vaccine distribution, funding in order to get 100 million shots in the arms of Americans in the first 100 days, especially elderly men from Oklahoma, just not travel restrictions. President Biden announced Monday that he'll be extending set-to-be-expired travel restrictions imposed by Trump administration, adding on a ban from South Africa, as well as are all as precautions against the coronavirus. It's all bullshit and it's all theater at this point. Let's keep going. From Yahoo News. Former Ranger and SOCOM commander calls out Democrat congressman over dumb military service spat with Senator Tom Cotton. I have Ryan Pickrell and David Choi as authors on this one. A former head of U.S. Special Operations Command called out a Democratic lawmaker on social media for questioning a congressional colleague's military service. Following the publication of an article from Salon this weekend that reported that Arkansas 
Senator Tom Cotton, is not actually a ranger, despite campaigning on his experience as a U.S. Army ranger, Colorado Rep. Jason Crow, a former Army ranger, tweeted at his Republican colleague. Unless you wore one of these berets, you shouldn't be calling yourself a ranger, Crow wrote in a tweet, accompanied by a photo of himself in the tan beret worn by the rangers. Truth matters. Cotton attended the challenging U.S. Army Ranger School and obtained the Ranger tab, but the senator served with the 101st Airborne. Crow, on the other hand, served with SOCOM's 75th Ranger Regiment. Being a Ranger with the 75th Ranger Regiment and earning the gold and black Ranger tab are often confused and sometimes used interchangeably, even among service members. While the distinction between the two is not often discussed outside the military circles, it's been hotly debated among some veterans and encapsulates the nuances of military service. Well, what this boils down to, essentially, is the fact that the mainstream media no longer have Trump to bully around because he can, as a private citizen, come back and sue them for defamation. And he probably will at some point. So instead, they're going to go after anybody they can can, and any low-hanging proof they can go out and find. And I'm sure their little ditch diggers are out there digging, trying to find any little piece of dirt they can on any of these people. We've already seen it from Marjorie Taylor Greene. Now we're seeing it from Tom Cotton. I bet you we see it from almost everybody with an R next to the name over the next two years. Let's keep going. From the Hill... McConnell, power-sharing deal can proceed after Mansion Cinema back filibuster. So we're going to talk about cinema and the filibuster here in just a sec, but I want to look at this from three different angles because I've got three articles about cinema, and all of them paint her in a completely different light from this. This one comes from The Hill and Jordan Carney, uh, Carney rather. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell indicated on Monday night that a power-sharing deal could move forward after two Democrats reiterated they would not nix the 60-vote legislative filibuster. Today, two Democratic senators publicly confirmed they will not vote to end the legislative filibuster. They agree with President Biden and my view that no Senate majority, leader, uh, majority should destroy the right of a future minority of both parties to help shape legislation, McConnell said in a statement. The legislative filibuster was a key part of the foundation beneath the Senate's last 50-50 power-sharing agreement in 2001. With these assurances, I look forward to moving ahead with the power-sharing agreement I modeled on that precedent, McConnell added. The GOP leader's remarks effectively ends the days-long impasse over how to organize an evenly split 50-50 Senate, where Democrats hold the majority because Vice President Harris can break a tie. Senate Majority Leader Charles U. Schumer immediately declared victory. We're glad that Senator McConnell threw in the towel and gave up on his ridiculous demand. We look forward to organizing the Senate under Democratic control and start getting big, bold things done for the American people, said Justin Goodman, a spokesman for Schumer, who mysteriously talks exactly the same as Schumer. McConnell's comments come after Senators Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema reiterated on Monday that he opposed nixing the 60-vote legislative filibuster. I do not support doing away with the filibuster under any condition. It's not who I am, Manchin told reporters. I'm 
somewhat surprised by cinema doing this, but not completely surprised because she has seemed to be, I mean, and we talked about this last night too. Um, an Arizona Democrat and a Manhattan Democrat are two very, very different things. Just like an Arizona Republican and a Wisconsin Republican are two very, very different creatures and very different animals. It's part of the reason we had a federalist system because our states, especially as you get further and further between them, have very different cultures between them. And so do their politics. So I'm not completely surprised that cinema is doing this, but all in all, I mean, I knew that Manchin was going to do it, and I thought for sure that he was going to do it to be the heel so that Democrats could come out and not get anything done and come out and say, oh, well, it was just that evil Joe Manchin, and all that he wanted to do was, he, he just wanted to, he, he's really a Republican, and all he wanted to do was be a Republican and make sure that we had the filibuster, make sure we don't get our agenda through. And now cinema's on top of this too, which, I mean, she might be the heel as well in this drama, but we will see. I want to share just a couple other comments on this from other outlets. Uh, this one comes from Yahoo News. Senator Cinema opposes eliminating the filibuster, not open to changing her mind, from Brittany Bernstein. Senator Kirsten Cinema is against eliminating the filibuster, and she is not open to changing her mind, according to a spokeswoman for the senator. The spokeswoman's comments to the Washington Post come as the possibility of voting to end the Senate's practice of imposing a 60-vote threshold for most legislation has moved to the forefront of the conversation as Democrats have taken control of the House, Senate, and the White House. Ending the filibuster would allow any legislation to pass with a simple majority. Cinema joins moderate Democrat Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia, as well as President Biden, in opposing abolishing of the filibuster. While Biden said in July that he would take a look at eliminating the rule dependent upon how ostrep... I don't know that word. Ostreperous? Well, that's a new one. I like to think I've got a fairly well vocabulary, but I've never seen that word before. How ostreperous they become. Speaking about Senate Republicans, he also added that he had not supported the elimination of the filibuster because it's been uh, used as often the other way around for Republicans' benefit. But I think you just have to take a look at it. Biden has not changed his mind and continues to oppose eliminating the filibuster. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki told reporters on Friday. And, I mean, that's just it. We look at what happened with the filibuster for federal judges, and I cite this every time we talk about this. They ended the filibuster for federal judges. Harry Reid did that because he wanted to push Barack Obama's radical uh, lower court judges through. They didn't touch the Supreme Court justices. Now, your Sean Hannity's and people like that will come out and say that Harry Reid was the one who ended the filibuster for Supreme Court justices. He isn't. Mitch McConnell did that. But he did that following the precedent that Harry Reid set for lower court judges. And if Reid had left lower court judges alone, honestly, I think McConnell would have still gone through and changed the rules for Supreme Court justices, but he would have caught a lot more fucking flack for it instead of a lot of people praising him for doing it. But that's where we sit with that. 
Now, from AZ Central, which is a division of USA Today, give that a second to load back up. Senator Kirsten Sinema stubbornly backs Senate gridlock by backing the filibuster. This is an opinion piece, but I just I wanted to get that headline out there so you guys see what the opponents of Sinema are coming out and saying this because I mean now it's evil. She wants to she wants to back the evil gridlock, and we've got such a great agenda out here. And Sinema, he, she she just wants to stop it, don't you know? Don't you know how horrible it is that she wants to do this? So that's what we see from that. All right, let's keep going. We spent way too much time on the filibuster. Twitter launches Birdwatch, a forum to combat misinformation. Twitter says it hopes to build a community of birdwatchers that can eventually help moderate and label tweets on its main product. And we saw that yesterday. We really did. And as Elaine said, there's no way this is going to get misused. This is from Ben Collins and Brandy Zedrozny, I think is how you pronounce that. Twitter unveiled a feature Monday meant to bolster its efforts to combat misinformation and disinformation by tapping users in a fashion similar to Wikipedia to flag potentially misleading tweets. The new system allows users to discuss and provide context to tweets they believe are misleading or false. The project, titled Birdwatch, is a standalone section of Twitter that will at first only be available to a small set of users, largely on a first-come, first-served basis. Bullshit! Of course it's going to be all their buddies who come out and feed them. Hey, 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 look, look, this guy's got WWG1, WWGA. He's got it in his bio. He, he's a QAnon guy. He, he, he's spreading misinformation. Basically what it came down to is Twitter has come out and realized that they can't go through and go through everybody's profile and eliminate the people that they don't like. So now they're contracting people that come out and do it for them. For free, most likely, mind you. The new system allows users to discuss and provide context to tweets they believe are misleading or false. The project titled Birdwatch is a standalone section of Twitter that will at first only be available to a small set of users. Largely on a first-come, first-served basis, priority will not be provided to high-profile people or traditional fact-checkers. I'm going to call bullshit on that, too. But users will have to use an account tied to a real phone number and an email address, which they just demanded from me yesterday, by the way. I got off the Red Net show and I was uh, looking over on Twitter, looking at my notifications. And then I started, you know, setting everything up so I could put everything to the audio platform. And I looked back over at my Twitter tab and they were demanding, they told me I was locked out of my account and I needed to give them a phone number. And long story short, now Twitter has my phone number. Whatever, I think they had it anyway. Birdwatch allows people to identify information in tweets they believe is misleading or false, and write notes that provide informative context. Twitter Vice President 
a product Keith Coleman wrote in a press release. We believe this approach has the potential to respond quickly when misleading information spreads adding context that people trust and find valuable. Okay, we don't know if she's a witch or not, so toss her in. Toss her in the river. And if she floats and saves herself, she's a witch. And if she drowns, well, she was innocent. But we found out. None of this is Orwellian by any means either. That's the funny part. People come out and tell you, this isn't Orwellian. Orwellian is when Kayleigh McEnany made up facts and it was Newspeak. Orwellian is people saying it's Orwellian all the time. It's Newspeak. This isn't Orwellian at all. All right. Proof that we're living in the dumbest timeline possible. Biden press secretary playfully accepts advice from scandal counterpart. From Marina Pitofsky. White House press secretary Jen Psaki joined with, or joked rather, with actress Darcy Stanchfield on Twitter after Scandal Star offered some lessons for the White House spokesperson role based on the popular drama. Stanchfield portrayed Abby Whalen, who served as press secretary under the fictional president Fitzgerald Grant, on the popular Washington, D.C.-based show. She referenced multiple scandal plot lines in her Friday tweet, telling Psaki that if your boss forgets your name, Slap a name tag on and don't get power hungry and try to get your friend killed. It won't go well. Uh. Proof we're living in the dumbest timeline. You know, that would be honestly, I mean, if, if Jen Psaki wants to go full out and figure out how to be a press secretary from somebody who was never a press secretary, but played one on TV, just go find Cal Penn. Because that's what he did on, uh, not 24, the other one that he did, Designated Survivor. Go talk to him, see what he's got to say about it. Dumb, 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 dumb. Next. From ABC7 out of Chicago. CTU, Chicago Teachers Union, votes overwhelmingly in favor of continued remote learning amid COVID-19. From Diane Pathieu, John Garcia, and ABC7, Chicago Digital Team. Chicago public school teachers and staff were set to return to in-person learning Monday, but over the weekend, the teachers union voted to continue remote learning. The teachers union members voted Sunday to authorize all rank-and-file educators in Chicago public schools to conduct remote work only. With 86% voter participation, 71% voted in favor of continued remote work starting on Monday, January 25th, according to CTU statement. But this also is the first day the Board of Education requires educators in kindergarten through 8th grade to appear in person. We don't want to go back to work. We don't want to commute anymore. We don't want to do this. We don't want to do that. We became teachers, but we want to sit and do Zoom. And Now, I am open to having the options open for parents to either send their kids to school in the school building or bring them home, let them Zoom learn, and learn at their own pace. Of course, the and we've talked about this before, the ultimate solution is going to be homeschool. 
with bigger homeschool communities and better resources at this point, it's not going to be just the weird kids in the religious family that are going to homeschool. It is going to be a lot of other people who don't want the government indoctrination into their kids. But the same solution is not going to work for every student. I know a lot of people, even from when I was in high school, which is 20 years ago at this point. Wow. I'm getting up there. But 20 years ago, we're looking at people, and I can I could name names if I really wanted to, who would have done a lot better if they didn't have to be in the building, if they could remote learn. Now, for the most part, the majority of the people I went to high school with, because of the small town nature, and the small town politics that go with the small town nature actually succeeded very well. And going in to the building and learning on the Wisconsin Board of Education's curriculum in the building. But that doesn't work for everybody. And a lot of people would have done a lot better learning from home, learning remotely. Even having on-demand service to do the learning so they could go and work the farms around their school schedule instead of the other way around. The technology is there where we have options, where we don't always have to do the same thing. And then we cut down on transport costs. We cut down on administrative costs, building costs, all kinds of other things with that. So it's time to actually start looking at the way the education system is done. But just on the same side of it, the teachers union coming out is denying the path of education that does work for the majority of students, forcing them to learn at the pace that works well for the students that work better working from home. And it's an all or nothing thing because it's a union thing too on top of that. So I think a lot of this here is bullshit. I think the option needs to come out. Hey, we want to keep our kids going uh, at home and doing remote learning or hey, we want to get our kids up into school so they can see their friends and they stop fucking blowing their own brains out. All right. So let's get some of the options in there. Let's let's rethink the way the education goes. All right. Uh, brief one here from the Wall Street Journal on the same topic. It's an opinion piece, so it's not green check verified. Chicago teachers unions versus Biden. Even a federal bribe isn't enough to get them back teaching in the classrooms. From the editorial board. The Chicago Teachers Union this weekend vetoed Joe Biden's plan to reopen schools during his first 100 days by voting to continue remote learning indefinitely. The union is taking kids hostage to extract more money from Congress with no guarantee that it will release them if it does. Chicago's Board of Education had required K-8 through teachers to show up at school on Monday to prepare for a return to in-person instruction on February 1st. The union doesn't care. 71% of CTU voting members rejected a return to in-person learning until schools are safe, meaning whenever teachers feel like going back. Now, living in Kenosha, I lived close enough to Chicago that I met people that are from the inner city. And from what they have told me, and now I will plead complete ignorance for this, and this is hearsay. Because I have never set foot once in an inner city Chicago school. But from what they have told me, inner city Chicago schools were never safe. Never, not once. Never been there. Can't tell you whether or not they were. But enough people have told me that, I mean, short of putting people in prison cells, 
while they're there, Chicago inner city schools have never been safe. The district has installed air purifiers in classrooms, conducted ventilation tests, increased cleaning, and procured rapid testing. Among other things, it will begin vaccinating teachers next month. There's no excuse for teachers not to return to the classrooms. Well, once again, since we've had this upset in the system, now it's time to actually start looking at what's going to be the best for everybody. Because it's it's just not going to work to make everybody learn the same way. And we... We're starting to realize that because there are people that are thriving on the remote learning. Not everybody, the majority, the vast majority of students in the human race are going to learn better with in-person learning. That's just a, st a statistic. But now, we can, now we've got the technology where we can do both, where we can figure out both and figure out what works best for everybody. But we will see what comes out of Chicago and what comes with the education system in the rest of the country. We got to keep going. We got just a few more to do here. Another one here from NPR. Biden is Catholic. He also supports abortion rights. Here's what that could mean. This is heard on All Things Considered. Won't you donate more to NPR? Won't you give them more of your money? They need your help. They need to buy more, stronger microphones so they can talk like this while you're going down the road so you can take, take a nap by listening to them talk like this. I severely hope that I'm not putting Sully Blue to sleep over there on DLive because he's listening to me talk like this because I would hate to see something bad happen to him. But this is, this is the Empire thing. This is, this is the way they talk. And this is NPR from Sarah McCammon. Joe Biden is only the second Catholic president of the United States. Well, really? Maybe that's the Wisconsin in me, but uh, I would have thought that would have been a lot more common. I'm not going to lie. Of course, I also live in Wisconsin. And, you know, the stereotype about Wisconsin is when you live here, half your friends are Lutheran, the other half are Catholic. I would have thought that would have been a lot more common. For some Catholic activists like Marjorie Dannenfelser, Biden's high-profile example of a Catholic who supports abortion rights is troubling. It's a negative example of a deep and important moral issue that's being debated in this country, she said. Dannenfelser is president of the Students of the Anthony List, a group that works to elect national politicians who are opposed to abortion rights and to advocate for laws limiting abortion. She's particularly concerned about Biden's embrace of a broader push among Democrats to repeal the Hyde Amendment, which prohibits federal funding for most abortions. He took that position in 2019 when running for the Democratic presidential nominee after decades of supporting the amendment. Just because he's not in charge. The church itself has not changed its view ever on the dignity of human life and the need for protection, Dannenfelser said. Biden can't bring the Catholic Church along with him because of his political needs. But for those who would like to see the church take a more permissive stance on issues including abortion, Biden's election was an opportunity. <clears throat> Jamie Manson, president of the Catholics for Choice, said she hopes for what she describes as a better dialogue between church leaders and some rank-and-file Catholics who disagree with aspects of the church's teachings. 
if you disagree with the church's teachings, then why are you in the church? You can't change the word of God. Even though the Catholic Church has tried several times over the last 2,000 years. You, you just, you go there because you believe in the word. Polling suggests a majority of American Catholics support abortion rights in most or all cases and opposing over, uh, rather oppose overturning Roe v. Wade, the 1973 U.S. Supreme Court decision that legalized abortion nationwide, according to Guttmacher Institute, a research group that supports abortion rights. Most Catholic women say they've used contraception at some point, which the church also opposes. With a conservative Supreme Court majority and Biden in the White House, Manson predicts continued battles over issues including conscious exemptions, for example, for pharmacists who object to dispensing the morning after pill, or employers who oppose including contraceptive uh, coverage in their health insurance plans. The ACA made that illegal, so keep that in mind. But yes, we're going to have this. Uh, we're going to have this conversation, and they're going to try and change the Catholic Church. So only the second Catholic president, like I said, the Wisconsin in me is blown away by that. Just because Catholicism is so common in this state. I can't believe that. I really can't. 46 presidents, and only two of them have ever been Catholic. That blows my mind. All right, let's keep going. I got one here from Newsweek. But they might kick me out for running out of my free articles this month, and I didn't bother to archive it. Tom Cotton blasted for claims about being an Army Ranger by a lawmaker who was... Why didn't I talk about this earlier? That's weird. Arkansas Republican Senator Tom Cotton was criticized by a Democratic lawmaker. We talked about this earlier. Why is this in here twice? All right, next. From the blaze, Capitol Rider apologizes for death threat against AOC. It's not AOC. We've gone through this before, Glenn Beck. It is the Honorable Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez D. Twitch says he's willing to testify in Congress. From Carlos Garcia, a Texas man arrested for his part in the rioting at the U.S. Capitol says that he's willing to testify in Congress and apologize for a death threat made against Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, D-Twitch. Federal prosecutors use social media posts of Garrett Miller, 34, of Richardson, Texas, as evidence to substantiate their charges against him. At one point during the Capitol rioting on January 6th, Miller allegedly uh, tweeted, assassinate AOC, to the congresswoman. In another message, he implied that he wanted to hang the Capitol police officer who shot and killed Ashley Babbitt during the rioting at the Capitol. So, numerous people on social media have been calling repeatedly to see people like you in my audience and myself, put into certain camps where we will learn how to be very, very focused. I know because, I mean, the name on the front is Camp Concentration. So we'll learn how to be very, very focused. And yet one tweet <clears throat> at a sitting congresswoman from the other side is cause for the world to fucking end. And now they're going to bring him up and testify in front of Congress.
In a statement from Miller's defense attorney, Clinton Broden, he said that he believed he was following instructions of President Trump. This dude's a fucking plant. This dude is a plant. Fuck you. I'm going to tell you that right now. I would love to go see his Twitter profile. What was it? Was it created in December of 2020? Bet me. Bet me it was. I was in Washington, D.C. on January 6th of 2021 because I believed I was following the uh, instructions of former President Trump and he was my president and the commander in chief. His statements also had me believing the election was stolen from him. Miller said in a statement, PSYOP! Nevertheless, I fully recognize Joe Biden is now the president of the United States that, uh, and that the election is over. The statement continued. Donald Trump is no longer president and I would not have any reason to continue to follow his lead. Oh my God. Oh my God. I'm going to do that one of these days and my glasses are going to break. Oh my God. Seriously. This dude is a plant. There is no other way around that. This dude is a plant. This is all, it, these statements are just all too conveniently. Oh, well, I, I opposed the, I opposed President Biden getting the counts done. I opposed him being nominated. I opposed him. Oh, well, he's president. Well, now there's nothing else I can do. This is bullshit. This is straight out fucking bullshit. This dude is glowing. Glowing. Brighter than any other Fed has ever glowed before. But he's going to go and testify in front of Congress. All right, from the San Francisco Chronicle. San Francisco's homeless hotels may be fully funded under Biden, but questions remain. From Trisha Thadani. President Biden signed an executive order Thursday that said certain kinds of emergency housing for the homeless, such as the hotels that San Francisco has leased during the pandemic, will be 100% reimbursed by the federal government until September. That's a change from the Trump administration, which said it would only pay for 75% of the cost, leaving the city on the hook for potentially millions of dollars every month. The monthly program costs range from $15 million to $18 million. Biden's new order could offer a great deal of reassurance for, the San, uh, for San Francisco, which is currently sheltering more than 2,200 homeless people in about 25 hotels, but questions remain. The hotel rooms were mentioned with a larger executive order Thursday about reimbursing cities for pandemic-related emergency programs. According to the order, other programs like child care facilities, domestic violence shelters, and costs for protect, uh, personal protective equipment will also be eligible for 100% reimbursement from the Federal Emergency Management Agency. Spend more. More taxes. More spending. Gee. Gee, right? Why do we have a deficit right now? The same reason we always have a deficit, Pinky. Because we always try to spend all the money. And, okay, I'm not opposed, especially given the fact that the travel industry has decimated, or has been decimated by the commie coof. I actually have no problem with the fact that these hotels are opening their doors and letting the homeless people at least be sheltered in there while they get themselves up, cleaned up, ready to go, and possibly can go out and find some other jobs. Now, in California, that's going to be very difficult because up until yesterday, the whole state was locked down and they've lost tons of jobs because 
small businesses went out of business. But I'm okay with the fact that, yes, these hotels are coming up and they're at least getting people up off the streets and housed and cleaned up and all kinds of stuff for that. But honestly, I would have rather seen California foot the bill for this and then go back and have California ask the federal government for money rather than just the federal government saying, okay, here, hotels, here's a bunch of money. We, we're sure you didn't cook your books to try and make this improved or a bigger sum of money. So getting the government, because the government sucks at everything. They do. They fucking blow at everything. But here they go. And even better. I mean, can we set up a... Isn't there a private charity that would do something like this? Why aren't we doing more private charity? Why are we not doing more of that? But here comes the money. That's going to flow. And it's going to flow straight into California. All right. From Fox 7. City Council looking at hotels to house homeless in Austin. Uh, that's a video. We're going to skip that one. I'm going to see if I can find a written article for that. But that's going to be another one here where the city of Austin is going to look to buy up hot, uh, defunct hotels and use them for uh, homeless housing. Which, once again, I would have rather seen done by private charity. Like, I don't know. What's the one? Homes for Humanity, I think is what it's called. I would rather see them do something like this than another government entity, but at least this one is on a local level. Still don't like it, but at least it's on a local level. So people can vote their city officials out for it, but we'll read more about that one tomorrow. Let's keep going. From the Hill, Sarah Huckabee Sanders touts Trump endorsement. From Dominic Mastrangelo. Former White House Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders celebrated an endorsement from her former boss as she begins a campaign for Arkansas governor. Thank you, President Trump, for your endorsement and always having believed in me. Sanders said in a tweet late Monday evening, As governor, I will defend our freedom and lead with heart. Trump, in a statement issued hours earlier, called Sanders a warrior who will always... Always fight for the people of Arkansas, okay? He added that Sanders is willing to do what is right, not, as, not what is politically correct. Sarah is strong on borders, tough on crime, and fully supports the Second Amendment and our great law enforcement officers. Beep, beep, back the truck up just a second here. Don, I, I like a lot of the stuff that you did as president. I like a lot of the head exploding that you're doing after you're president. But have you never looked at a map of the country you were the president over? Arkansas's nowhere near the border. The governor of Arkansas has no say over the border. It's nowhere near it. He just says stupid stuff sometimes. Um, anyway, let's keep going. She loves our military and veterans and her home state of Arkansas. She'll be a great governor. And she has my complete and total endorsement. 
Sanders, a Republican, formally announced her intention to run for governor in a video message on Monday morning. Yeah, we know about that. Dude. It's a landlocked state that's nowhere near the border. Come on! But we were we were debating last night whether or not she would get the endorsement and take it. And now it seems that she has. All right, just a couple more, then we'll do Twitter trending and head on out of here. Um, from NBC News, Portland Mayor Pepper Sprayed Man, who confronted him about COVID-19 rules. You know, after pepper spray was made illegal in Portland, you know, then he pepper sprayed somebody. From Phil Helsel, the mayor of Portland, Oregon, pepper sprayed a man outside of a restaurant Sunday night after the mayor said the man confronted him about mask rules and other issues and then got uncomfortably close, according to a police report. Mayor Ted Wheeler, a Democrat, told police of the man, I clearly informed him that he needed to back off before spraying him in the eyes, according to the incident report released by police. Wheeler told police he was leaving a pub around 8 p.m. when the man filming him with a phone accused the mayor of not wearing a mask while sitting in a restaurant as required by COVID-19 rules and also other issues. You know, these people aren't acting like they're very afraid of this virus. Wheeler told the man that he was sitting in a tented area and that the coronavirus rules allow someone to take off their mask when eating or drinking, according to the police report. The man, who was not wearing a mask, followed Wheeler to his car and got within a foot or two of my face. While he was videoing me, the report quoted Wheeler as saying, I became immediately concerned for my personal safety, as I had recently been physically accosted in a similar fashion, the mayor said, according to a report. Wheeler said he was afraid of catching COVID-19. Uh. A spokesman for the mayor said Wheeler is fully cooperating with police. He was with the former Portland mayor, Sam Adams, at the time, who was listed in the report as a witness. So, first off, Wheeler, if you may pepper spray illegally, you shouldn't have pepper sprayed the dude. Yes, I understand that Antifa went up and started beating the crap out of you at some point over the summer. And they tried to burn your apartment down. I understand all of that. But this rules for thee and not for me bullshit is what needs to stop. If you're going to use it, then let everybody use it. And dude who got pepper sprayed, seriously, don't get within a foot of a person while you're filming them. Don't shove a fucking camera in their face. Even under non-commie-fucking-coof times. That's just an asshole move. And honestly, you deserve to get pepper sprayed. Because of it. Personal space, dude. Personal bubble. I hope we get more of that as we go along. Alright, last one, then we'll do Twitter trending. From the Blaze. Winner of the Food Network show charged with child abuse murder of white three-year-old foster child. She criticized white privilege on social media. This just sounds like a massive fucking mess. From Carlos Garcia. A woman who criticized white privilege on social media was charged with the child abuse murder of her three-year-old foster child who was white. The disturbing story unfolded in Simpsonville, South Carolina. 
Police allege that Ariel Robinson, 29, and her husband Jerry Robinson, 34, inflicted a series of blunt force injuries on their adopted child, Victoria Rose Smith. The parents called 911 on January 15th to report that the child was unresponsive. When medical professionals arrived, they immediately suspected child abuse according to the heavily redacted police report. Smith was taken to the hospital where she was pronounced dead, WYFF-TV reported. The two were charged with homicide and child abuse, the TV station reported. Ariel Robinson is best known for winning season 20 of the Food Network show Worst Cooks in America. In August of 2020, the network deleted the season where she won after she was charged with murder of her adopted child. She was also a local comedian and aspiring television personality who posted a large amount on content on social media to seek a following. Among those posts were entries decrying white privilege while talking about her three adopted children, all of whom were white. In my house, my black children get treated the same as my white children. See, that statement right there. That's probably the start of the problem. And my white children get treated the same as my black children. It's a shame when they go out in the real world that they won't be the case, she tweeted on January 6th, adding hashtags for white privilege and Black Lives Matter. Yeah, every single part of this just screams mess. Mess, mess, mess. Yeah, this is all, this is an absolute mess. And F's in the chat for the girl. F's in the chat for the little girl. Three years old. Wow. I don't even want to know what happened to cause all of this, but let's let's throw some F's up, you guys. I'll throw mine up. All right. And that's going to be it for the news. And the last thing that we do on a Tuesday is Twitter trending. So let's see what's on the trending tab. Let's get a refresh of the page here and see what's going to pop up. All right. On trending, number one is Kobe. People are remembering NBA legend Kobe Bryant and his daughter Gigi on the one-year anniversary of their deaths on January 26th. Yeah, I remember the generational gap, you know, popped in on a Sunday and just did a standalone show on this, too. This affected a lot of people, an absolute ton of people. And I was never a big basketball fan, so I don't, I mean, even I know who Kobe is and all the good that he did. He he was a good dude, at least. So, let's throw another F. Another F. For Kobe and Gigi. Uh, we'll skip the Tuesday vibe and I'll actually give you an extra one here because these are the exact same hashtag essentially. Um, uh, the next one here, the second one we'll do is hashtag treasure mention party. Uh, K-pop boy band treasure members interact with their fans in a virtual party. Don't care. Um, the third one, Boot WT Selfie Day. Fans of content creator Ran Boo celebrate the Fandom Selfie Day, which is held on the 26th of every month. Who's this dude? 
I have no idea. Maybe I'm too old for internet culture at this point, but I have no idea. Yeah, I don't, I don't get it. All right, fourth one, Nikki Haley. Oh, this will be good. This will be good. Uh, former governor of South Carolina appeared on Fox News' Ingram Angle to discuss Donald Trump's pending impeachment, uh, impeachment trial. This is under a minute. We can watch this. But I've got to turn ears back on because I had autoplay hell going on earlier on today. So let's listen. The actions of the president post-January 6th weren't uh, post-election day were not great. What happened on January 6th was not great. Does he deserve to be impeached? Absolutely not. It's so a you'd vote against game impeachment. That yeah, you'd vote against Absolutely. impeachment. So Absolutely. Absolutely. They're trying ways. to just kick you, him you out part, the door. You would part ways with, uh, for instance, Mitt Romney, who will be voting, it sounds like, for impeachment, for, for to, to convict. Well, At least it sounds that way. I don't even think there's a basis for impeachment. I mean, the idea that they're even bringing this up, they didn't even have a hearing in the House. Now they're going to turn around and bring about impeachment, yet they say they're for unity. I mean, they, they beat him up before he got into office. They're beating him up after he leaves office. I mean, at some point, I mean, give the man a break. I mean, move on. If you truly are about moving on, move on. The idea that they're going to do impeachment, that's not going to bring our country together. That's only dividing our country. When will you make a decision? The act Well, in all reality, no, this is, I mean, it's all partisan bullshit anyway. That's all that we're seeing from it. And in all honesty, I think a lot of this is a collaboration between the mainstream media and the government at this point, too continue to keep Trump in the spotlight so they can pass their shitty agenda without having without having to run cover or having the media have to run cover for them. This is the media running cover for them and them giving the something for the media to run cover with. All right, we'll do one more on Twitter trending and then we'll head on out of here. Um, Nick Miller. I have no idea who Nick Miller is, but I bet you the trending is going to tell me. Nick Miller is trending because people are wondering how he pulled some of the hottest women in Hollywood. I present our case. Okay, once again, who is this dude? In this house, we don't tolerate Nick Miller slander. Is this is this just, a, just a thing because I don't watch movies? What? I don't know who this dude is. I love when Nick Miller trends once a month on Twitter for no reason other than we're collectively in love with him as we should. Now see, there's somebody that I wouldn't mind trending, but there we go. I have no idea why Nick Miller's trending. I have no idea who Nick Miller is, and that's going to be it for the day. So with that, we're going to head on out of here. We will be back here tomorrow. Where's my outro? There it is. All right. That's going to be it for the day. I'm going to go get myself a little something to eat, head out and out to work. We'll be back here tomorrow to talk more about more of this stuff, including the Austin housing project. 
that I wasn't able to discuss today because all it was was video. So looking forward to that, talking about that, and seeing what's going with that. Otherwise, I'm sure there's going to be some other stupid shit that happens here because that's all that we see here anymore. Everything is stupid. We're in the dumbest timeline. But it makes for great views. Thanks, everybody, who came by and watched. And if you are lurking right now, make sure you get that last-minute message into the chat so I can remember to write your name in the notebook so we can give you your special thanks over on Friday. Looking forward to that as well. So we will see you then. Looking forward again. Until then, I'm Jay Edgar, and this is Contemporary.